Welcome to Gaining to Give, the podcast where money meets meaning. I'm Josh Roche, wealth advisor, founder of the Roche Group, and your host. Every week, we'll dive into practical tips, stories, and strategies that I hope help add purpose to your finances. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to episode eight of Gaining to Give. I am Paige and I'm here with Josh. And this week is a topic that I'm really excited about. And it is one that I think people are kind of afraid to ask if they know a financial planner or anything like that. So just like they think they should know it. But the question is, why should I consider using a financial planner? And when we were brainstorming this, I really enjoyed it because it helped you really see the holistic benefit of it. So kind of kicking off today, what can a financial planner do? Like, what's the benefit? Yeah. And first, I want to thank friends for chiming in. You know, this was a podcast content title and substance that was created off somebody's question that they asked. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful for that participation. And there's going to be more of these episodes that we're just answering questions and thoughts and concerns and situations that come up from those that are listening. So super excited to dive into this. You know, financial planner can do a multitude of things. But their main goal is try to help you identify what's most important to you today, in the future, you know, short term ahead, long term ahead, and then help you create a plan that involves your finances to have the greatest possibility of accomplishing those goals. And that looks so different for everyone. That's what I love about this job is that the advice given to one person could be totally different than advice given to the next client we see. We get to see people in all sorts of stages in life, walks in life, different financial backgrounds, and that financial plan for each individual is tailored to their goals, their desires, their tolerance for risk. It's pretty neat. So a financial planner does a lot of things. If I could summarize it, they're going to take a look at your goals, your hopes, your dreams, what you want to accomplish with your money and with your life, and then just help you build a plan, a strategy to get you from point A, which is today, to point B. Easy enough. Pretty simple, huh? Pretty simple. Well, and I like what you mentioned, how it changes kind of based on life stage. Sure. At least I know for me and a lot of people that I know, we kind of had the assumption, okay, like I can use financial planner, but like later in life, yes. when I have more money to work with. Oh, and yeah. So we've hit on that multiple times in this podcast, but just kind of reiterating that it's actually really useful when you haven't reached that target spot that you want yet because right. it helps you get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so common. And I think about this, you know, oh, we'll use, you know, my, my parents use a financial planner. Like, we don't need that yet. <laughs> There's no benefit to us. Uh, but it's so, so wrong. I mean, it's totally almost backwards. The earlier you begin with somebody that can help you identify what's important to you and then build a strategy, the better. Because like we talked about so many times, the more time you have, Gosh, the better. So better chance you have actually reaching the goals that you want to get to. Right. Which is awesome. Yep. So we kind of talked about what a financial planner is. What is a financial planner not? Like what are some misconceptions? What do people think? That kind Great of thing. question. Yeah. I see a lot of folks come into my office that have maybe sat down with somebody that um, imitates a financial planner, <laughs> you know, for good or for worse. I'm not trying to rag on anybody, but a, a common issue here is. They went and saw somebody and they bought a basket of annuities. I had $500,000 and it all went into three or four different annuities because I went and saw a financial planner that maybe wasn't securities licensed. A friend of mine, somebody I trust, and not all annuities are bad. What's the difference in security license and not security license for those who do not know? Great question. 
So when you get your securities license, things like a Series 7, um, a Series 66, those are exams administered by FINRA, which is the governing body of the securities industry. And that allows you to then work with clients to trade in mutual funds, stocks, bonds, index funds. Although, if you don't have those licenses, you can go get your insurance license and you can sell investment-related products, commonly annuities or variable life insurance, whole life insurance, that maybe can imitate an investment but is not a direct investment in the stock market. Okay, that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. Good. And so we're sitting down with clients regularly that were looking for a financial plan and looking for investment guidance and rather walked away with a couple annuities that carry a 10-year surrender charge where if you wanted to get out of it early, you might pay 7 to 10% hefty penalty. And so it is important that when you're working with someone, you identify the right professional, somebody that can help you and not just sell you a product, but actually give you a service that would come to benefit you for many years to come. The other thing is some financial advisors are geared more towards investment planning. They're focused on how can I achieve the greatest return. Return super important. It's something that we talk about, but it kind of takes a backseat to more of our planning first approach where we're going to focus on taking a look at your goals, your desires, and executing those in the most likely manner. We're going to need to get good return along the way, but we try to focus on the planning aspect. That makes sense. One of the things we were talking about earlier, too, is just the difference between who just handles your investments versus someone who is an actual financial planner, has a kind of a more holistic look at your finances and for people who maybe aren't as educated in finances, aren't as comfortable in that realm, there's such a benefit to an actual financial planner that way. It just makes things a lot less complicated and a lot easier to understand, look at, have a full view of kind of where your finances are, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. Another word that often comes up that when I'm sitting with clients, something that often comes up is, you know, are you a fiduciary? This is a big word that's tossed around quite a lot. You see it on commercials from investment companies you know, oh, is your advisor a fiduciary? And it's become this word that a lot of people are asking, but does not automatically mean you're working with someone that you should trust. Just simply being a fiduciary is, you know, meaning you're sort of held to a standard, but it does not mean that you're going to uphold that standard. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I can work in a fiduciary capacity But ultimately, I still have to make the decisions that I'm going to work in the client's best interest or I could decide not to. Right. And so I think it's always very, very important that you find somebody that you can trust because just because they have a title, just because they have a fiduciary standard does not necessarily mean that they're without mistakes. Mm, That's really true. I have to really trust and know if like the person that you are giving your money to, right? So totally. you should. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, okay, so one of the questions that I think we hear a lot about financial planning is how much does it cost? Like, how much does it cost to use a financial planner? What does that look like? I think it's probably an intimidating fact for, for people who don't know a lot about it. Yeah, definitely a barrier where you feel like, you know, gosh, I'm going to go sit down. Kind of, I think of this way as an attorney. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to call an attorney and I'm going to get an invoice. They don't know my address, but somehow they're going to find it and invoice <laughs> me for $500. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's just not the case. You know, some financial planners, some attorneys may work that way. Many, many do not. 
you know, and costs can be different per individual. For example, we have multiple ways that we work with clients. The the largest way, the most common way that we work with clients is what's called an assets under management fee. And so we charge a percentage based on how much money we're investing. That's an annual charge, and that's sort of an everything charge. That's what our client's going to pay outside of some really, really specific things that you might not encounter regularly. The other option is we might work with with somebody more on a flat fee basis where they want to handle their investments, but they'd like a financial plan or guidance on their strategy. So we can do that where we simply take a look at everything, provide you with a financial plan, meetings to discuss recommendations, concerns, worries about your existing strategy and things that you might implement or change moving forward. And that's just a one-time cost. Also, then we can get into more of an hourly basis or subscription-based model where maybe I want to meet once a year. I don't really need help with my investments, but I want somebody to look over my financial strategy, my financial plan once a year, every other year, and I'm going to simply pay a recurring flat fee for that service. So the neat thing is, you know, we always start with a discovery call. We want to understand what the client's looking for, what this possible client's looking for, identify if we can even help them. Sometimes we're not the best fit. And I don't want to waste their time nor our time. So we start with a discovery call. Then it will morph into a larger meeting. In that meeting, we discuss cost and ultimately find a solution that the client's comfortable with. Yeah, that's good. It makes sense, too. I think kind of the biggest thing from that is don't feel uncomfortable calling, asking, asking those questions, because most people like yourself, other people are happy to answer them, answer those questions about cost, and it changes based on your situation. Yep, absolutely. Just don't make that be a barrier or a hesitation for you. Um, Next question is, what expectations are there both for the financial planner and for the client kind of walking into this partnership? I love this question. We were just talking about this before we started the podcast. This is an excellent question and something that I think you should be asking a financial planner before you work with them. What can I expect from you and what do you expect from me? I'll kind of give you some general guidance of what we expect from clients here and what they should expect from us as well here at the Roche Group. When we work with somebody, especially initially, our plan is only as good as the information we're given. And so we're going to ask for a ton of information, just like the first time you might go see... Give me an example of a profession that like a doctor, a doctor, right? First time you're establishing care with a doctor, it's going to take some time as they learn about your medical history, some medicines you've been on previously, surgeries you've had, issues you've encountered in the past. Same thing. We're going to identify what saving has have we done up to this point. When would you like to retire? You got kids and they're going to go to school. And what do we think the cost is going to be? There's going to be a ton of things that we ask for up front, but it's going to really help us create a better financial plan, have greater conversations up front. So you need to be expecting that initially it's going to be quite a bit of work on you and on the planner as you're beginning this relationship. After we get past that initial spot, the initial workload, it becomes a lot easier, more maintenance related, but there is a lot up front. And so I expect that a client is engaged in that and able to get us that information that we request. Ultimately, we want to help them, but we can't help them if they're not willing to give us the information in, in a timely manner. Then from expectations uh, ongoing with a client is just that they're involved. You know, when we build a financial plan, life changes, my life changes, your life changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so does your financial strategy. And so we want to be involved regularly with clients. This is not a 
once a year, we'll see you, see you next year. It is an ongoing relationship when we're working with clients. And so we expect that the client wants to be involved with that. Then going the other way, what can a client expect from a financial planner? One, I think that they can expect education and a very, very good understanding of the strategy we're going to use to execute their financial plan. I don't like it when clients leave our office saying, eh, you got it. Don't really know, you know, but just take care of it. Mm-hmm. I really, and sometimes, you know, all jokes aside, we do laugh about that sometimes, but I do want to make sure that the client fully understands why we might be using a certain solution, a certain product, a certain retirement vehicle, and why it fits their individual need or, or situation. Uh, so, you know, you can expect that you're going to be educated and confident in the strategies that you're using. You can expect that we're going to be educated and um, up to n- new changes in the investment industry and um, things that would impact your financial plan that we're staying on top of that and that we're working in your best interest. That this is not about how do we create more revenue for the Rose Group. It's about how do we accomplish what's most important for you, the client. The other thing is you can expect consistent communication. I think that you should always be working with somebody that is quick to communicate and transparent in their communication. Uh, um, Believe it or not, we do occasionally make mistakes. And that's always important, too, is that when we make a mistake or go a certain direction, then maybe our life changes and we need to pivot we're not going to delay or worry. We're going to talk about it. We're going to change the plan and move forward. So the expectation from the client then going to the financial planner is, you know, just feel those things to, to mention a few. Yeah. And I think that's really good. One of the things I noticed just kind of as you were talking is just how important, like you were saying, an ongoing relationship is yep. with a client, the financial planner, not because, um, either one is micromanaging, but because like you said, life is fluid, circumstances change, your goals change, what you need change, what it looks like changes. Yes. And so as you're saying before, a financial planner is only as much help as information they're given. And yeah. so the more you kind of can foster that relationship and that connection and just kind of have that, the more that I think you're going to see it start working in your favor a lot better. I think perfect example, and this is not going to be every 18 months, but in the last 18 months, you know, Holly and I have had a baby We've moved, we've changed houses, we started our own business, changed careers. Those three things alone are very significant changes that resulted in changes to our financial strategy. And that's just 18 months. I mean, gosh, what's the next 18 months (laughs) going to hold? But it is just proof that our our life is constantly changing. And so thus should our financial strategy, our financial plan. Mm, And just kind of thinking about that too, like, Whenever your financial strategy has to change or your plan changes, I feel like sometimes there's shame around changing your money or changing yes. how your investments are. Yep. But at the end of the day, like the plan is to work for you and for your goals. And so I think like your clients have the freedom to just kind of make those changes and do those things whatever their life circumstances demands, which I think is really, really neat. Couldn't have said it better. I was just sitting down with a client and we were talking about, of course, everybody wants to save more. So they move into retirement, but we were kind of talking about this trade-off of they have extra income these next few years. But then it's going to kind of scale back and there may not be a whole lot of extra to be investing more money. In fact, we might scale back. And in that conversation, you could kind of see the hesitation of like, what do you mean? We're actually going to go the other direction with our contributions and contribute less. Like, yes, that's kind of how life goes sometimes. (laughs) And that is okay, you know, and that's why we've planned ahead of time earlier to plan for that. So it's just it's so neat. 
yeah, your your financial plan should work for you, not the other way around. Absolutely. Okay, so the next one kind of bleeds into that question is how to utilize financial planning? Like, how do you make it work kind of with your life? Yes, great question. First, you got to start. <laughs> so you have to engage with a financial planner. If you feel confident doing this, you know, document a financial plan for yourself. So you need to begin somewhere, identify where you're at, where you'd like to be, those goals that you have for your life, and then start to build a strategy around it. And some people can do that totally on their own. I know many people that don't need a financial planner, but I know 10 times that amount that do need a financial planner, right? Or think they don't, but or, really can benefit from it. Exactly. Yeah. So you need to start somewhere. You do need to build a relationship or begin working on a financial plan to be intentional with your money. Um, so you've got to start that. And then really, you need to understand how would it benefit you? Again, everybody's in a different life stage. Some people might be focused on repaying debt. Some people may be focused on accumulation. Some people may be focused on a distribution strategy as they near retirement. So it's going to look different for everyone, but it starts with a conversation. It starts with identifying what could good financial planning do for you and then go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's just so many different ways that you're saying to utilize it and customize it. And I think it's one of the benefits of the practice that you're at now is just like you're saying, money is super individualized, like your money yes. is super individualized. And so the way that I think you're able to work with clients now, I've just seen it. It's just really unique because every client is so different and so has such different. different outcomes, but there's always like, tweaks and things you can do to make their financial plan work better for them and the goals that they have, which is really cool. Yes. Yep. Okay. So kind of as we're closing today, what are some general kind of tips for success? If someone's going to go out, start using a financial planner, what are just some general tips, advice, one-offs? Great question. I think first you need to just be prepared prepared with some of your financial documents, have thought about some of your goals, the things that you want to accomplish, those questions that a financial planner is going to ask about where are you at currently in your financial situation and where would you like to go? What's important to you? Because if we don't know those two things, it's impossible to plan for the future, right? So you need to be prepared and prepared for some initial work when you begin that financial planning relationship and you need to be prepared to ask the right questions to identify, is this person someone that I trust and that I want to work with? Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be engaged. This is not just a one-time-a-year type visit or relationship. We want to be engaged with clients because, again, just looking back at my eighteen last 18 months, life has changed a lot. It's going to change a lot in the next 18 months. And if I wasn't in the business, I'd want somebody that was by my side through all those changes, talking about how my strategy is going to adapt as well. And then, I, you know, I think it's important, tips for success, if you will, is that you've got to see the value in that financial advice. I have some clients that I might give advice to and choose not to utilize it, and that's totally their prerogative. They, they can do that, you know, just because I might share some advice or technique does not mean they have to implement it. But typically, somebody that's going to work well with a financial planner is looking for that advice and sees the value in that advice, not just simply, we're going to invest your money and try to get the best returns that we can. Absolutely. So I'm so glad that you guys chose to tune into our episode today. As mentioned earlier, we're so thankful for those that submitted questions and things, topics that they'd like to hear more about. If you have anything on your mind, now's the time to do it. Go out to our website on the Contact Us page, drop us a line there, or shoot us an email to page or josh at rochewealth.com. 
Again, thanks so much for your support, and we'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Thanks so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate you showing up and listening to this episode and supporting us in this journey. I'd also like to thank Mike Pfeiffer for his expertise in editing this podcast and getting it live. And lastly, don't forget, the more you give, the more you gain. See you next Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Gaining to Give podcast. As a reminder, there are some important disclosures in the description of this podcast for you to check out. Thanks for being here.